said everything else he counted as loss because of the surpassing treasure, the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. What do you find yourself thinking about most? That is what you consider of greatest value. Whatever you think about most reveals what you treasure. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffin, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Glad you could join us today for a message from the series, Think, Christianity in High Definition. Today, we'll hear part one of a message titled, What Were You Thinking? In this series, Pastor Trent explains why what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Here's Pastor Trent. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, you're probably wondering why I'm carrying a television. The reason I'm carrying a television is because I've been carrying things all week. I have moved everything I own from the state of Michigan into the state of Indiana. We moved into a new home. Now, from what I understand, that, that makes me something I don't understand, um, a, a Hoosier. And I'm not quite sure what a Hoosier is, but um, uh, I, I have a way of finding out because there was a movie that came out, was there not? Entitled Hoosiers. And so, let's see. Yeah. Um, I'll put that down here for a second. Um, and in order to watch the movie, you'd have to pull out one of these. Now, for those, whoops. Um, thank you, Paul. For those of you under the age of 20 years old, um, this is called a VHS tape, and it contains movies. The problem with the movies on these VHS tapes and the problem with these 400-pound televisions up here is that they are only capable of producing images in standard definition. Do you understand the difference between standard definition and high definition? Well, you see, standard definition means that uh, this machine up here is capable of producing um, 480 dots per inch, and you can see things in standard definition. But um, there's new technology. Have you heard about this? It's called HDTV, or high definition, and high definition televisions are able of producing 1,040 dots per inch in these, and it creates a whole new way of viewing things. Now, how many of you, the first time you watched the movie Hoosiers in standard definition, felt like you were getting robbed? It's like, I can't quite make out Jimmy on the screen, you know? I, I just, I can't quite make out, is this football or is this basketball? Because it's only in standard definition. It, you know what? I have watched so many wonderful things on this standard definition television, and never once did I think I, was, I wasn't seeing as clearly as I could. Is it possible that in our relationship with God, that we have only been seeing him and thinking about him in standard definition. And could it be that God wants you to see him in high definition? And if we're going to see him in high definition, 
we're going to have to obey a command in scripture that can be summed up in one word, and that word is think. And this is the beginning of our series that's going to take us all the way through the summer. It's the first of eight different sermons that I'm going to preach uh, through the summer here. We're going to call it Think. It's Christianity in High Definition. And we're going to begin to see this. Now, as we begin to look at the scripture, I got to let you know, this is a little different than what we usually do around here. Normally, we open up to a, a book in the Bible and we just run straight through it. If it takes us two years to get through it, we're going to look at every word. We're going to look at every uh, verse in that book. This is going to be more of a topical series. We're going to be chasing the themes through the Bible that are the most prominent. These themes are what theologians call doctrines. But in order to do this, um, I need some group participation because you've actually got to think in order to do this. Now, some of you are sitting here and say, I'm done uh, because I am not a thinker. And some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, finally we're going to get to the deep stuff, none of that fluff that you normally bring in church, right? And I, I want to ask you this question. Are you a thinker? Are you a thinker? You see, most of us are going to default into one of three categories. If you are a thinker, you're sitting here thinking, I'm going to learn something. And that's why I got out of bed and came to church this morning, because I wanted to learn something. It's all about the academics. You got, if in your relationship with God, you got to have the right academics. And so you, you, you people at the end of the sermon, your page is always filled up with the most notes. If we could see your Bible, it's got more colors in it than, than a rainbow. There's blood, there's sweat, there's tears all over your Bible because you pour over this thing. You're a thinker. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm not a thinker. You think, I'm a feeler. Are you a feeler? You didn't really come to church this morning to think. You came to church this morning to feel. And you, you, if you haven't cried by the end of the service, you feel like you got robbed, right? I mean, you, if you haven't, you, you, you're here to love Jesus. And if you don't feel love or you, you can't give love, then you feel like you got robbed. Well, I would challenge you to become a thinker. You see, Christianity is not just thinking, but it's not less than thinking. There are a lot of people that try to bypass thinking in order to experience God. If you're a thinker, I would say to you this, please understand that Jesus doesn't want you to study him. Jesus wants you to experience him. And if you think right, you're going to end up having some right, not just right academics, you're going to end up having some right affairs. Affections for God. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians and the greatest thinkers that the United States has ever produced, wrote about right affections for God. So we need to be a thinker. We need to be a feeler. Some of you are like, I don't even really get either one of those. I'm, I'm more of a doer. I'm a doer. You came to church. You were here to unlock the door. Um, you, you, you serve in the, the nursery. You'd rather be in there than in here right now. You're just like, man, I just can't wait to get back in there and change some dirty diapers because that's the way I love Jesus and that's the way I serve God. And, and, or you're thinking about building something. Man, you got really excited when you saw the big hole out there and all the dirt was moved. And you, you're like, man, I would have brought my shovel if we knew we were moving dirt this week. And, and that's how you relate to God. Now, what we're going to understand is this. 
So many times, and let me just say this as a, as a dad, if you're here as a dad and you're thinking about the Father's Day, have, <laughs> have you ever been trying to be a good dad and communicating to your children? You saw that they weren't acting right. Maybe you walked in on something they were doing. You, you, you walked into the room and the room was a disaster, you know, or their homework didn't get done and yet they had plenty of time to text and Facebook and play PlayStation and all of that. And, and you walk in on them and you think, what are you thinking? You understand as a father that if there is a problem in the actions there is a problem in the affections. And if there is a problem in the affections, there is a problem in the academics. You see, what we think affects how we feel and how we feel affects what we do. And if we are not acting right, it is probably because we are not feeling right and it's probably because we're not thinking right. So the key to solving all of the problems, why I feel wrong and why I do wrong is to understand I might be thinking wrong. Wrong things about God, wrong things about me, wrong things about the way his world works, wrong things about the future, wrong things about his kingdom. And that's why during this summer series, we are going after the way we think. Now let me tell you what this series is not designed to do. This series is not designed to answer all your questions, okay? Uh, this series is not about uh, apologetics. We're not going to defend everything and the, every challenge that comes to Christianity and give the right answers. To, there are good answers to all of those challenges and all of those questions, but that's not really what we're doing. What we're doing is we're going to dive into what God's Word says about the things that affect our thinking feeling, and doing the most. And the first place that we're going to dive in here is in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And so why don't we get our eyes on that passage of scripture. Let me just say this. I want you to get your eyes on your copy of God's word, okay? Uh, and we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures, and so it's going to be hard, but there are times I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to get your eyes on your Bible to understand we're not just making this up. And to supplement those things that you're going to look at with your eyes and your Bible, I'm going to put a lot of scripture up on the screen. The first one here is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. And here is a command in God's word. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. The first thing that we're going to look at today is this. We need to think because God wants us to know him. We don't just think so that we can become a Bible fathead. It's not just about having knowledge in our head. This is a problem for many of us because we think that because we know a fact, we actually own that fact and that fact is implemented in my life. There are a lot of people that know things that they ought to do and they think because they know they ought to do them, then somehow they are doing them. That's what pride does. Pride tricks us into thinking that because I know something, I am something. That's a problem because God wants you not just to think, 
He wants you to think in order to know him. And you cannot know him without thinking over what God has said about himself. Now, this is an interesting verse because if you're just, if you're a thinker, you've already figured out there's a contradiction in this verse, right? I mean, if there's knowledge out there that's not in here, the question is, how does that knowledge get in here? And this verse seems to say, there's two different ways. We could say, well, I've just got to think, and somehow my thinking is going to get that knowledge into my head. But look at the second part. The Lord gives understanding and everything. So, do I think and get it, or does the Lord just give it? Answer, yes. That's exactly what he wants us to understand. Knowledge of God is not given apart from our thinking. And so many spiritual people, Christian and mystical kind of weird religious people, they want to bypass rational thought and expect God just to somehow reveal it to me in a dream or I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read something in the newspaper and it's going to have codes in there and we, we think there's like Bible codes that somehow there's this ancient mystical spiritual knowledge and if we could just get enlightened in some way that God would do something apart from our thinking, we would experience him in a way that nobody else does. That is not what the Bible teaches. God reveals his knowledge to us through our thinking. We cannot bypass knowledge, and we cannot bypass thinking. So we want to understand that God is knowable. There is knowledge of God that is available because God has revealed it to us, but he uses our thinking for us to understand it. So let me say this as we get started about uh, thinking. Please understand this. Our finite minds will never be, under, be able to comprehend the infinite knowledge of God. So th again, that's not what we're doing in this series. This series is not exhaustive. We'll not answer every question we have about God. And the reason is because if you think that the gray matter in the six inches between your ears can comprehend the knowledge of God, you have a very elevated opinion of your brain. And if you could comprehend it, you would be God. So I don't want to serve or worship a God that I can comprehend. I want a God who is unimaginable. Yet look at what Isaiah chapter 55 says. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. What's the implication? There is knowledge of God that is available to those who will seek him. That word seek is an intentional urgent, active seeking. Um, if I told you that there was somebody in Granger that was hiding $1,000 bills around the community and there were clues out there to go find them, you, you would probably go on a, a treasure hunt to find that because of what you consider valuable to you. Well, he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. But then he says this, my thoughts, God's thoughts are not as your thoughts. 
<laughs> They're completely on a different plane. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there are God's thoughts and there are my thoughts. And there are aspects of God's thoughts that he has chosen to reveal to my thoughts. My thinking can make God knowable to me. And that's why we think. It's because we want to know him. He's a God that wants to be known. Philippians chapter 3, Paul puts this in a very worshipful way. He says this, I count everything as loss. Every other thing that you know, what you know about golf, what you know about your marriage, what you know about finances, what you know about building a business, what you know about math, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the knowledge of God. Do you see where it says means there? That word means tells us there's an avenue to knowing God. The avenue or the pathway to knowing God is thinking. He says, I want to know him so that we can have an intimate knowledge of God. Christianity is more than thinking, but it is not less than thinking. Jesus can be known through the means of our thinking. And here's the thing this verse teaches us. Whatever you think about most reveals what you treasure. What do you find yourself thinking about most? My girlfriend. Then that is what you consider of greatest value. What do you think about most? Football. Then that's what you consider to be the highest treasure. This verse tells us that Paul said everything else he counted as loss because of the surpassing treasure, the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Now let me just say this. If you never, ever intentionally engage your thoughts about Jesus and about God outside of this worship service, I have every right to question whether or not you are even a believer. Because there is a worth that we put on Christ that considers him the greatest thing to be thought about. The highest use of the human mind is thinking about God. And if you never think about God, it reveals what God is worth to you. He's worth very little. And if you are satisfied with the knowledge of Christ that you have, if you've been in church for 50 years or 50 minutes, if you're satisfied, it's like, yeah, I think I got God figured out. If you're satisfied with that, then you have a very shallow view of God. And so we want to think about 
God in some new ways. Now, we're going to talk about some standard definition thinking and some high definition thinking. See, for most of us, if you've been exposed to, to church, the Bible, you kind of come occasionally or you, you kind of grew up in a Christian home, but it's kind of in the past and you really haven't sought God beyond that level of, of knowledge, then what you, what you have is you have a very standard definition thinking in your approach to God. You just got 480 dots per inch right there about, about God. And, and what, what it does is it, it puts God in a category. If I ask you if you believed there's a God, you're like, yeah, I believe God, there's a God. But there's a researcher at the University of Notre Dame, his, his name is Christian Smith, and, and uh, he's, he, he's a believer, and, and he's done a lot of research on the, this younger generation of Christians that's being produced by our youth groups in church. And he did a lot of research on this. And he, he put a label on the kind of thinking that the younger generation has about God. And this is the term that he used. I think it's the, the best uh, understanding of, of, uh, of standard definition thinking. He called it moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's what most people out there who do not have a high definition view of God, think about God. He, he just kind of put it in a big bucket, put a label on it. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Are you thinking? Let's think about what those words mean. Moralistic, you know what that means? If I generally try to act right and do right, God will be good to me. It's moralistic. I, I ought to be good. I ought to do right. Because God would expect that of me, and what I would expect of God is if I act right and do right, he'll, he'll be good to me and might even let me into heaven. That's a moralistic understanding of God. Therapeutic, you know what that means? That means that God exists to make me happy. And so the way that we pray when we have standard definition thinking is, God, remove all the obstacles to my life. God, please uh, get rid of this sickness and this back pain. And God, would you bless my finances? And God, would you help my children to act right? Would you get me a better job? Would you just make everything easier for me? Because after all, you kind of exist to make me happy. That's a therapeutic understanding of God. And then deism. Deism is, a, is the old theological word for the, the idea that, yeah, God's out there somewhere, but he's really, really distant, and he's really not paying much attention. Conveniently, on Friday and Saturday night, he's not paying attention. So I can just kind of get away with, with what I want. But then when I come to church on Sunday, I really want to pay attention. God, did you say I got up and went to church on Sunday? And I gave a little bit in the offering there, and, and I lift my hands in worship, and I even cried. Did, God, did you see that? But he's, he's conveniently distant, and he's conveniently noticing when we do right. And Christian Smith says, that's the generation we're living in. People that have a standard definition view of God have a moralistic, therapeutic deism. And that is not the God of the Bible. If that's your idea of God, welcome to church. We are going to do some high-definition thinking about God. So let's do some high-definition thinking right now. And in order to have some high-definition thinking, we're going to have to define some words. So let's define a word. Here's a word. Theology. You ever heard of that word before? 
Like, oh, that's deep stuff. And I've seen those theologians, and they have those long beards, kind of like the guys on Duck Dynasty, but they're not theologians. But the, you know, and they, they live in these, you know, these really high towers, and, st- and they all, you know, they're on the, ac- the academic campuses like Notre Dame. And pl- please understand this. Everyone is a theologian. Everyone who has thoughts about God is a theologian. Even an atheist, a self-proclaimed atheist, is a theologian because he has thought and made a judgment, eh, there is no God. And the reason he doesn't want to believe in God is because he knows that if there is a God, he's in big trouble. And so he'd just rather kind of shove God to the side and just convince himself there is no God. The Bible actually says there's actually no excuse for not believing in God. And deep down the inside, everybody really does believe and know there is a God. The question is what God and what definition and what contour does God have? God has attributes. God has character. God has a personality. God has contour. And if your idea and thoughts about God do not equate with the God that defines himself in Scripture, then you need a different definition of God. Theology is simply the study of God. But remember what we said earlier, God does not just want to be studied. God wants to be worshipped. The study of God is the avenue to the worship of God. God wants to be known. And no one can rightly know God and trust God, and serve God, and worship God without thinking about what God has revealed himself to be. So there's theology. Here's a second definition, high definition thinking. Systematic theology. Ooh, you can impress your friends with this word. Systematic theology. There's all kinds of different theology. There's biblical theology, which is different than systematic theology. A lot of, this series is about systematic theology. And here's what Wayne Grudem says systematic theology is. It's any study that answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today about any given topic? So what we do is we chase down through all the pages of Scripture every time this theme, this mega theme shows up. What does it say in Genesis about that? What does it say in Ephesians about that? What does it say in the Gospels about that? And so we're going to look at a lot of different places, and we're going to look at a lot of different mega themes, because we're going to keep using some definitions that Wayne Grudem is going to help us with through this series. There's another book available out there, and it is this book. If you ask me, Trent, what is your favorite book? Number one, all-time favorite book. It is the ESV Study Bible, okay? The English Standard Version. There's a lot of great Bible versions out there. The one that we read from on Sundays and we study together is the English Standard Version. There is more information in that volume than most pastors have outside of the United States. Right there. I think every member of Harvest Bible Chapel ought to own two books, the ESV Standard Study Bible and one version of Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, okay? Because we want to think in high definition.
We've been listening to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. And we'll hear the rest of this message next week. We want to invite you to join us this weekend at one of our weekly worship services at Harvest Granger. Come check us out Saturday at 5 p.m. or Sunday at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. For more information and resources from Pastor Trent, visit harvestgranger.org. We hope you'll join us again next week at this same time for Resonate with Trent Griffith.